When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and what's next. It's a show that asks questions and peels back the layers of our average everyday experience and goes beyond scratching the surface. We interview people doing incredible things who are making a difference around the globe. Join me as we listen in and get one step closer to understanding that big ideas shared create collaboration. Collaboration can inspire community and communities create social change. I'm David Peck and this is Face to Face. So my interview today is with uh, two entrepreneurs, two small business owners here in uh, Mississauga, Ontario, Carl Rudnick and Cheryl Hopkins. And I think you're going to enjoy this interview for a whole lot of reasons. This is this is about change, but it's about change of a particular sort. They've got a company that has taken a uh, an age-old uh, sport, fishing, with uh, some age-old kind of traditional approaches to to how to fish and have kind of turned it on its head in a little bit. I think you're going to enjoy the interview for a variety of reasons. There are entrepreneurial uh, insights here. There are small business insights, and we have a lot of fun as well. So uh, check it out. This is Kyle Rudnick and Cheryl Hopkins with BaitCloud. That's baitcloud.com. Check them out online and stay tuned. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We are joined uh, today by a couple of special guests, Carl and Cheryl. I'm just going to introduce them as that right now. So thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So uh, we're, we're at a, a, a space in, uh, I guess it's right on the border of Oakville and Mississauga, Ontario. Maybe it's Mississauga at a company called BaitCloud. Check, the, check them out on the website, baitcloud.com. And we're going to talk about uh, the product but I think we're going to really talk more about the the thinking behind the product. At least that's what's interesting me from from a from a philosophical perspective, I guess you could say. But also from an entrepreneurial perspective, the the you know how did you get to a certain place is a question I think I like to ask a lot of times. So Carl, I want to. So I'm sitting here and I'm kind of looking out behind you at your manufacturing here. And so so just so everyone out there, if you if you haven't actually been able to get to the website in the last 32 and a half seconds. Um, Basically, what we're talking about here is a fish attractant that looks like a bath bomb. So think lush, think those like sort of um, granular-like balls that you would throw into the bathtub. But you don't want to—you don't probably don't want to toss one of these in your bathtub. Tell me about the product first, Carl. Right. I well, mean, what is it exactly? Yeah, it's a—it's a fish attractant ball. Um, I mean, you could toss one in your bathtub. It wouldn't—it uh, wouldn't do any harm, but it wouldn't smell 
wouldn't smell like a bath that you'd want to sit in. Do, what's it going to do for your skin, I guess, is the question I have. Yeah, you'd probably come out smelling like uh, a fish. A but, fish. But, uh, <laughs> no, essentially uh, what it is is a ball um, that is about the size of a golf ball. Um, mm -hmm. the, uh, the idea behind it is you throw it in the water in the area you're fishing. So whether that's, whether that's off, uh, off of a boat, off of a pier or a dock or, or on the ice, you throw this ball in the water. Um, they're heavy and dense, so they sink like a stone. But the second that it touches the water, essentially what's going to happen is it'll start fizzing and creating a scent, uh, a scent cloud, as well as a visual and physical disturbance in the water. So the bubbles, uh, it fizzes so, so vigorously that the bubbles create uh, the sound and scent of a school of bait fish feeding in that area. Um, if you think of, uh, if you think of Shark Week when they chum in the water and you see bait fish uh, on, splashing on the surface, um, essentially that disturbance tells any other bait fish in the area that there is something in that location for them to eat. That also t triggers predatory fish in the area to come in and check out basically the, the bait fish that are feeding in that area. So any fish within, within about a 100 foot radius of where you drop this ball will will be drawn into that location. So how so so obviously uh, fisher men and women have been using bait uh, for years. Fish attract in various right. sorts. I mean, I've heard of things like uh, you know you drop your you know you go to a, I remember going to a what would you call it a fish farm not a fish farm but a fish pond I guess yeah like you a stock stock pond thank you stock pond yep. at Stouffville I think Ontario years right. ago and and holy cow you'd catch fish in like seconds right. But, but I, I seem to remember these little pellets that would be on the hook, and then you'd toss a bunch into the water, right. kind of like a fish attractant, I suppose. Right. So the interesting thing about, say, like a stocked pond is that um, if you go to a stocked pond with a worm or a minnow and try to catch a fish, you won't have any luck because those fish are born and raised in that pond. All they know is food pellets. Pellets. So it's a completely artificial environment. Um, whereas out in the open water on, on a lake like Lake Simcoe or Lake Ontario, those fish are used to eating small bait fish. Um, so that's essentially what this will mimic. Um, I, I, I wouldn't use this product in an, in an environment like that, an artificial, artificially created environment. Um, but, uh, but there are similar products out there um, in terms of chumming. So chumming has been, it's an age, age old practice. Guys have been doing it for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, but essentially what that is, is using um, the remnants of dead fish, right. where you would drop the fish down down into the water or behind the boat if you're trolling, or in a, the guys use uh, small pails to drop them to the bottom of the lake. Um, and uh, essentially what happens is other fish will yeah, come in course. to check that out. Now the difference between doing that and using a product like Bait Cloud is that there's no actual fish parts in Bait Cloud. So a huge issue right now in Ontario um, is invasive species entering our right. waterways. Right. This has no effect whatsoever on that because there's nothing that was ever alive in the bait cloud ball. So um, there is a risk of dumping the contents of a minnow pail or a, um, a different type of uh, bait fish species that there might be one in that, in that chum that you thought was dead that isn't dead um, and now that has entered the waterway. Um, the Asian carp is a huge problem right now in, in Lake Ontario and, and um, and invasive species have been entering Ontario waterways for, for a long time. So that is an issue you don't have to worry about at all with bait how cloud. Do the, how do the fish sort of, in a sense, so chumming, so chumming is, 
I don't know, throwing lots of bread in or bananas like we were talking about earlier, which is apparently quite the no-no. <laughs> but like throwing in little bits of bread, let's say, and then tossing the hook in, that would be considered chumming. Right. I mean, that, yeah. that would be considered yeah. chumming as well. Um, again, fish, fish, uh, fish's instinct tells it that bread is a foreign object. Um, I mean, in a, again, in a koi pond uh, somewhere that's, right. that's an artificial environment, they're used to doing at the Mandarin. That, at the, I was thinking the exact same thing. At the, I was just thinking the same thing at the Mandarin. Yeah. Um, they probably, those ones probably even eat pennies for, for all mm -hmm. I know. But, mm -hmm. uh, but no, so um, that would be considered chumming as well. And, and a lot of people are pro or against chumming. Yeah, so that, I want to talk about the ethics of that. I mean, you say it's been done for hundreds of years. How did the fish stand a chance? You know, I, I know a friend of mine who's um, uh, come from the deep south, Mississippi, hunter, and I've heard some of the stuff that hunters do. I don't hunt, but, you know, the way they'll set up an area to try to attract deer, and they put out food. And, I mean, it kind of makes sense, I suppose, right? It's the whole idea of setting a trap, really, isn't it? Um, I mean, you can look at it like that. Uh, I think one major difference is that um, both Cheryl and I designed this product um, to work effectively to bring fish to our area, but from, from the get-go and since I started fishing at the age of two years old, I have practiced catch and release. So mm. it's all about the sport of fishing for Cheryl and I. It's, it's not about bringing as many fish to our area as possible then dropping a net down and scooping them all up and basically harvesting fish. Um, yes, the product does make fishing easier in a sense that fish will, will be attracted to the area you're fishing in. There's still a lot of technique that's involved in fishing. There's still a lot of patience. And, and when, when you're catching a fish that is in season and you, and you know you're targeting a fish that, that is in season, meaning that it's not currently spawning or about to spawn, then, then really there's no, there's, it's been proven that there's no harm in relocating a fish. I mean, there's thousands of bass tournaments that happen across, across North America every year. And relocating a fish from the middle of the lake and then releasing it to dock after you weigh it um, has proven that there, there's... It's not, about, it's not about killing the fish, it's about catching them. I mean, having fished a fair bit, I guess, over the years and certainly no expert by any means, I mean, there, there is a lot of technique. There's the, right. there's the... I mean, isn't fishing to some degree about the accessories? You know what, I, you and know, it's been said, it's been like said a lot. Bigger, the bigger the toolbox, the better, or the bigger the tackle box, the better. Or? Yeah, and I mean, there's a reason that uh, $100,000 bass boats have sparkly paint on them, and they yeah. look great flying yeah. down the lake at, yeah. at 70 kilometers an hour. And um, it's been said that a lot of fish lures are, are designed not to catch fish, but to catch fishermen. Right. And it's, right. it's a lot about that as well. It's, and it's, it's a pastime, it's a, it's a hobby, it's a passion, it's a lot of things to a lot of people. But to Cheryl and I, and, and to our beliefs, and to the... the the audience that we're targeting and speaking to and, and, the, and the community that we're a part of um, as business owners now um, believe very strongly so, in catch and release. So what, yeah. what I find, so, so we, at Kuchiching, that's where we met, Lake Kuchiching up in Aurelia, and you guys were at a part of a festival, and uh, a couple weeks before that I'd seen uh, the big fisher guy in Canada, which I'm th sure he's thrilled about that I don't remember his name right now, Baba Zuma. Right? Yep, Bob Azumi. Azumi. Yep. There yep. you go. Even more thrilled that I can't <laughs> pronounce his name. Um, I'm sure he but I've, mind. I've watched him fish. It's fun. It's cool. He was there. Uh, my son and I watched them 
weigh, weigh these fish, all catch and release, right? right. The boat was there and uh, they were dumping them back into what looked like a big cooler and then they go out to the middle of the lake and let them all go. I couldn't believe the fish that were coming out of this lake. And so my son and I had been fishing the day before and we'd caught quite a few um, perch actually on right. uh, little map lures. Uh, trawling uh, on a farther part of the lake and you go okay so we can actually fish we actually catch something but these guys are pulling fish out of there that I've never seen before in my life never mind right. the so you go clearly it's a bit about equipment it's a bit it's a lot about probably technique and there's a fair bit of luck but these guys are kind of proven to me it's not just luck there's some other things going on as well right yeah I mean there's there's all kinds there's um, there's multiple different varieties of sonar equipment um, there's there's a lot of different tackle that uh, that isn't necessarily available to consumers because Interesting. Okay. because these these professional anglers um, are sponsored by tackle right. re, tackle distributors Big and yeah. and uh, companies. Yeah, I would even say um, understanding fish behavior, like going out fishing with Carl, not having a lot of experience, you know, myself. Um, you know, he understands the spots, what to look for, understanding the species, where you know time of year what their behaviors are. So he'll know that they're, you know, deep now or, right. uh, you know, or... Temperature, or, shading, the exactly. sun, and this is why you get stuff like you got to fish in the morning and in the evening. Right, right. I mean, th yeah, and things like structure, things like uh, depth, time of year, weather, um, believe it or not, uh, moon phase, uh, everything contributes to where those fish will be will be sitting, and whether or not those fish are going to be are going to be uh, hitting what you're putting in front Which of them. Which is precisely why you designed this tool, uh, this uh, right. bait cloud. So tell me about that. Tell me. So you've been fishing since you were two. Uh, so what did you get into the tub one night and throw a bath bomb in and go? Wow, no, that's, I, I've no. got an idea. It's, Eureka! I did that. That's actually um, putting the putting the cart before the horse. Actually, what happened was. Um, I, like you said, I've been fishing for years, um, last 20, 25 years uh, during the spring, summer, and fall. And I was aware of ice fishing, but I had never tried it. And then a couple of years back, um, the winter was just too long. It's, uh, we had a couple, couple really cold, really long winters. And um, I essentially, I, I had cabin fever and decided, you know what, I mean, even though I, I don't love the cold, I'm going to brave the elements and head on on the ice and, and try my hand at ice fishing. And uh, I was very unsuccessful um, the first first two years that uh, that I went out. Um, there's a lot of different a lot of different techniques that I hadn't ever used before. Um, a lot of different again um, behavior patterns that uh, that I needed to understand and and be aware of in order to catch fish. So um, basically, what happened was I was out uh, on a my dad and I took a drive up to Halliburton and. Uh, it was snowing heavily all night and all morning. Uh, we arrive at the lake and there's uh, probably about two feet of uh, powder snow on the on the ice, and we don't have a have a snowmobile, so we we trudged out on the ice, uh, shoveled off our, our area where we wanted to fish, drilled a couple holes, set up our tent, and hunkered down for for a couple hours. And uh, we actually have a sonar that we use on the ice, which which a lot of fishermen do. Um, and we didn't mark a single fish under the ice. We didn't catch a single fish. We had no bites and. And my dad asked me if I wanted to go uh, look for another spot that might be a bit better. And uh, I, I always say that sort of big cloud was, was half born out of laziness because uh, I just I had a light bulb moment and I said, well, there's got to be something other than chumming be, that I can do to attract fish to this area. There's got to be a slow release uh, bait that I can drop down or why isn't there a, a chum ball that, that is 
that's coded so that uh, it'll reach the bottom before before I uh, before it releases on the surface because uh, essentially the fish can be suspended or sitting on the bottom. A lot of times ice fishing, they're hugging the bottom. Mm. So then uh, my dad and I chatted about it for a little bit. Um, didn't think anything of it really until uh, until later that week. I was uh, chatting with a friend about my, my ice fishing experience and no, I didn't catch anything and it was frustrating when um, Cheryl actually yeah. Cheryl actually had chimed <laughs> in, o overheard my conversation and chimed in and said, well, you know what, what, what would work well maybe would be uh, like a bath bomb. You guys ever heard of a bath bomb? So first of all, I had to ask uh, who Cheryl was and introduce myself. <laughs> and uh, then basically what happened was um, we chatted a little bit. We uh, ended up grabbing a coffee and, and I think- So you, hadn't, you guys hadn't met? No, no, it's you overheard a you overheard a conversation. Yeah. So basically, we're ba the business is based on laziness and eavesdropping. Excellent. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, this is the sure sign of, a, of an entrepreneur. <laughs> right, exactly. In making. Yeah, that, it's the recipe's for success so far. So, uh, so yeah, so um, we sat down, we grabbed a coffee. Um, Cheryl mentioned like, yeah, I mean, a bath bomb probably wouldn't be too hard, too hard to make. Just instead of maybe lavender oil, you maybe you try um, some some sort of oil that a fish would be attracted to. Um, and and then I ex basically explained um, having obviously a bit more expertise in the fishing area, um, different scents that fish might be attracted to. Um, basically, what happened was uh, we took a, a quick trip to uh, Bulk Barn, picked up some raw ingredients, and um, and I basically mixed them up and made some prototypes, took them out onto the ice, tried them out, and had the most success I had ever had ice fishing, and right off the bat as well. And, and yeah. that, that was sort of the... Sent me pictures immediately saying, you know, we're marking fish. And within three minutes, they had their first fish on the hook. So it was pretty exciting. Um, also, you know, from my point of view, after that coffee, I went back and I spoke to my husband, and who's a business consultant. And he, you know, was looking at the business model and said, you have got to do this. So he kind of was very encouraging to, you know, he's an entrepreneur himself. And... Uh, you know, is fully behind this idea and uh, really encouraged us to start this business. So, so I honestly, I mean, it's a bit of a joke, but I love the fact that, you know, you heard, overheard a conversation, you're kind of going, there's got to be a better way, right? right? Not satisfied with the current, the status quo, I guess, of yep. your experience as an ice uh, fisherman. Right. That would drive most people crazy, right? They, yep. holy smokes, set up the tent, we oh, we don't have a snowmobile, what a pain in the neck, right. and we still don't catch anything. Right. Right. So instead of going, I'm done, I guess that's the kind of stuff that really interests me about, about small business development, about, about social change. You know, when, at what point does somebody say, you know, Rosa Parks said, I'm going to sit at the back of the bus in the Deep South at one point, right? At what point do you go, okay, I've had enough, and, and, and I've, got to, I've got to do something about it, uh, or maybe find something else that works in a different way. Why, why? Tell me about that. Tell me about that kind of inkling. What was it? Was it, was it a, a dissatisfaction, I guess you could say? Yeah, and I mean, um, I, I, I like to think of myself sort of as a, a serial inventor and have mm, been for, nice. for as, long, as long as I can remember. Um, and First invention? is the first uh, invention that uh, something actually came of and that I was actually able to produce a prototype and test it and do anything with. Um, 
a lot of the ideas I've had. Uh, either you mean, you mean you mean the Bait Cloud? Right, is the first one that you've actually sort of seen through to correct. Is, yeah, yeah. No, but I want to know what your first invention was. Was it a oh. Lego? <laughs> to, to you know what? Toothpicks. Oh my god! You know what? A bit I of gum, a few cornflakes, and a paperclip. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's not even a joke. Honestly, when I was uh, when I was just a little guy, I used to pull apart. Uh, I wanted to know how everything worked, basically. So. I could never keep a Walkman too long because within a couple of weeks I'd have it apart in pieces on... Um, Did you ever get it back together? I never, no, not <laughs> once. <laughs> not once. And, um, but I, I, would, I would take... So you're like the ideas guy, right? Exactly. Basically, right. So I would, you, didn't, you didn't have me back then. Otherwise yeah, I would have yes. figured out yes. somehow but, to make it work. Yeah, so I would always take this and I would see this and I would say, how can these two things work together to make mm. something new? And I mean, as a 10-year-old as a kid, I didn't get very far ever, but I do believe that um, that that thinking carried on. Uh, well, there was a, there was clearly a curiosity there, right? Definitely, and and that thinking ca carried on right until this point, right until this day. Um, and uh, I mean, a lot of the ideas I've had uh, again, or just I think center around. There's got to be a better way to do this that would save people time and energy. And that sounds a lot nicer than saying laziness, but essentially, essentially, I've. I, like you said, um, I've always thought there's got to be a better way to do this. Why are we still doing it this way? And did would you say at that? I mean, if you had been fishing for that long, you knew about chumming, you, right. knew, you knew about well, you knew about bait. Really, some yeah. some lures are better than others, right? No, exactly. There's different lures for every situation, every species, and uh, yeah, I mean, um, this was sort of this was sort of like I I want to be successful at ice fishing. And I want other people to be successful as well. And, um, and basically, from that point on, um, I, was, I was considering it. But I have to say that the, um, the, the bath bomb idea or the, the effervescent property of Bait Cloud um, is unexpectedly the biggest attractant and the biggest and most effective feature of the product. And, um, and that was Cheryl's contribution to it. And, and with, without sort of my, my background knowledge and, and Cheryl's out-of-the-box thinking, I don't think Big Cloud would, would be what it is today. I know it wouldn't be what it is today. So it's kind of like the Alka-Seltzer of bait. Essentially, and I mean, it's, guys, guys actually use chunks of Alka-Seltzer. Um, they, they'll uh, insert them into their plastic baits when they're fishing, so that, um, and they've been doing that for, for years, for probably 50 years they've been doing that. So the, the proof of concept was there before we even started, before we had a prototype. And then essentially when I went on the ice with our first prototypes, that was, that was the moment when I said, okay, this, this is something that, that should be pursued. And, and like Cheryl said too, after consulting with her husband, um, who's an entrepreneur himself, and, and the confirmation that not only was it a good idea, but the market could use something like this. I think that was really the go-ahead so moment for us. So, so Cheryl, uh, are you the brains behind this organization? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if they can say that. Um, you know what, I, I just... I think that I believed in Carl's idea and I have access to brains. So, I mean, I think I have good instincts, but I really, you know, rely on the people that I know and uh, yeah, and I think a lot of a, a lot of the qualities that uh, that help out on a day-to-day -day basis and um, that help us run this business um, that I don't possess, Cheryl does and vice versa. I think um, 
we complement each other's skill set very well. So what I want to know is, and I think this is a really important insight, so, so what I've heard is, you know, encouragement, affirmation. We haven't talked about investment yet, you know, from a financial perspective. But, you know, kind of we're not going to maybe come up with a, uh, a 10 points on what makes a great entrepreneurship or a great new startup or a great new business. But, I mean, you guys don't really have a very good sign Right, I mean, right. You could, you could use with a better sign. It's, it's but the size of a business card, I think. So yeah. maybe, maybe we could. But you don't. So you don't need a good sign, apparently. But you do need encouragement, affirmation. You need some kind of investment. You need a great idea. You need. To, I'm wondering, do you need the collaborative edge as well? Like, I guess my question is, could you have done this on your own, Carl? Absolutely not. Not yeah. a chance. No. No, there's no way. Um, I think what it comes down to is, is that, um, and I mean, I don't have. 10 points to tell you uh, what would make. Well, this is the thing. This is what's so fascinating, really, about any kind of change, right? right. There's the, everyone wants to come up with the, the, the method. 400,000 businesses apparently fail every year in Canada. Or, or Canada? Anyway, it's a crazy stat, right? right? So, so every one of those people want the 10-pager, or the 10-pointer, I should say. The two-pager with 10 points. Yeah. How to do it. But it just doesn't seem to play out that way ever. No, and I think to, to that point, a sign is not would not be on that list for us because, right. because right. well, essentially because we're not, we're not a business that people walk into to buy our product. Um, uh, basically, it's, it's sales driven and it's, it's getting the product to the community, educating them about it because it's a new product and there's nothing like it. That was one of our biggest hurdles is, is delivering it to people and, and having them understand what this product does and, and what the benefit is. So no one would walk into our into our, our space here where we are today and and buy bait cloud off the shelf. Um, essentially, what we've done is we've partnered with independent bait shops across across the uh, the province right now, and they are they have bait cloud on their shelf. Um, a huge part of of why we did it that way is that having grown up fishing and going down to my local bait shop and building a relationship with the shop owner and and seeing that. That they're a small business owner trying to trying to make their way, selling selling products to guys that are passionate about industry, but them being passionate about the industry as well. I think that had a huge part, and I think one of the one of the one of the points that would be on that ten point list would be a passion for creating something that people love. And I think Cheryl and I both share that. Um, is that we we get the most satisfaction when someone will come to us and say, "Wow, what a great idea." Could it, could it, so, okay, so let's go down that path just for a second, this idea. I want to get back to the whole idea of relationship and collaboration and, and partnership, because I think that's essential. I know that I personally suffer from it when, you know, I'm kind of a business of one, a consultant of one. I have a team of people that I go to. I have a gender consultant. I have a proposal writer or two. There are leadership people that I can, I, I can access, but I don't work with them. I don't come to a space every morning. We don't have a coffee before the day begins together. Do you know what I mean? Right. And I think that's so important. You know the camaraderie of it, the rapport that you feel together. Because I, I don't know. I think it's it's kind of like that metaphorical whiteboard, right? right? Yeah. Ideas. That's where they come from. But tell me about this passion for creating something. Could it? Could this? Could I look out here and see a different product right now? Like in other words, could your business have been? I don't know. Um, shower hooks. Um, I mean. So does it have to connect? So does this great entrepreneur have to connect with something they care about deeply? Because clearly you care about fishing. You know what? I didn't think so. Um, if, you oh, had, okay, if, if, you, if you had have asked me that before a day before Bait Cloud started, or right, I, I would probably tell you 
uh, that I, as long as it sells, I'm happy. Right. No, and and that's that's, uh, to be honest. Um, And um, and it's funny because um, I was asked, um, I was asked initially probably after about the first month, um, how I would feel if a large uh, fish attractant manufacturer came by, wanted to acquire Bay Cloud and change the name. Would that bother me at all? And my initial thought was, well, no, because it's a means to an end. Um, after only six months, seven months, that, that thinking has completely changed where this is my baby now and no, you're, there's no way you're changing the name. And there's no way that you're going to come in and, and basically essentially um, flip Bay Cloud on its head because of the amount of effort and so work that's that really should... good. So this is not, you know, I love what you said before Bay Cloud. Bay Cloud, I would yeah. have said, as long as it sells. Awesome. Because then it's, so now it's no longer just about profit, which kind of, to me, flies in the face of what supposedly entrepreneurship is all about. Supposedly, right? It's about the free market. It's about got to make lots of money so we can purchase X, Y, and Z. So those folks, you know, and it trickles down and all of that economic theory. So this is, but this is really, to me, more about passion, actually. For than, sure. And it, more about passion than purpose, almost, in a yeah. sense, right? You're ticked. That yeah, you had to walk out, set up your tent. You didn't catch any fish that day. Yeah, I wasn't that, happy about it. That's that for was sure. like okay. So you'd had years of that, and then you just went okay. That's it. I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to I'm going to make a change. And and who knew it was going to be Bay Cloud, right? It could right. have been something else related, but um, um, you wind up with this product that uh, that is uh, starting to move. Starting to move. How is this not illegal? <laughs> How do fish even stand a chance? You know what I mean? Like, clearly chumming's been going on for years. Uh, legal's the wrong word, maybe. But you know what I mean? Like, it just, you know, sonar, uh, attractants, bait, new kinds of hooks, fishing. Like, how, how are there any fish left in the ocean or in lakes? You know, it's crazy. Well, I mean, I guess my first thought initially is that it goes back. The reason that there's fish left in the lakes is, is because, I would say, majority of anglers practice catch and release, but... <laughs> most most fishermen suck? Is that basically what you're saying, Carl? <laughs> no, well, no, but no. I think the, um, fishing lures are, are called fishing lures because they are designed to attract fish to whatever it is you're using. So a fishing lure that has a hook on it that you're using to catch a fish, that... Um, that's sort of de- deceitful in a sense. Um, right. Yeah, deceitful is exactly. a good word for it. But it also has been practiced for centuries, right? It's not something new that we've just created, you know, luring fish to our area. Um, I, I think one of the things uh, that's, that's most interesting is that chumming has, is uh, very widely used um, in saltwater fishing in the oceans. Um, it's, you almost don't find a boat in, in the ocean without a fishing boat without chum on it. Um, and it's not very widely used um, in freshwater scenarios. So in the Great Lakes, in in Muskoka, in Halliburton, wherever. It's a little bit frowned upon, I would think. Even the nice thing about Bay Cloud is it's actually it's clean. It's environmentally friendly. There's you know all natural ingredients, and there's nothing that we're you know polluting or putting in the water. Everything dissolves. It is you know right. Yeah, so I mean, some guys as as a chum actually use things like macaroni or eggshells and things like that, where um, to the to the ministry is actually that's considered littering. Um, one, after after Bay Cloud has completely dissolved after ten minutes, there is a there is a, a scent cloud and uh, basically left in the water column um, until the current sweeps it away. Essentially, that will hold fish on your spot, but there's there's physically nothing left in the environment whatsoever. 
and there's nothing harmful uh, deposited into that um, into the watershed whatsoever. Yeah. So, I mean, the the idea of the luring. I mean, we we actually we had uh, we had someone co basically compare bait cloud to um, luring and hunting Cecil the lion. Not not too long ago. <laughs> You're kidding? No. So it's a little uh, bit of a stretch. I it's think a, it's a That's bit a of, a stretch, bit of a stretch. Yeah. So I mean, that was more on the extreme that, end. That of, was our first hater. Yeah, that was Your first. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. Uh, did you get any ugly social media posts over that? No, not really. It, well, it, that was a, an ugly social media post, but essentially it, it didn't go further than that because I, I think I think most sane people understand that it has nothing. It's nothing like that whatsoever. Um, but again, I think that that thoughts like that come from people who don't understand what fishing is to the people who. Our diehard well, especially from a catch and release perspective. I mean, that's something that I, I don't think I heard as a kid, really. The idea when I was a kid fishing, which is, you know, a few years ago now, just turned 50 recently, you know, uh, it was what you catch, you keep. We're right. going to eat it tonight. I mean, that was the thing, right? And it wasn't because we really needed it. We could have, you know, had something. We could have had macaroni that we were yeah. using to chum for, for fish. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, there, there were other things. So it wasn't a life and death situation for us. But that was the expectation. You catch it, you keep it. Right. And so, so things have changed. But as long as you're going to consume it, I don't think there's any harm. I mean, obviously there's, you know, if it was senseless, you were just killing the fish and throwing it back in or leaving it on the shore, I think that that would be more of a concern. But maybe Carl can speak more on this, but hunters and anglers, you know, associations all over the world are probably the leaders in, like, environmental comfort. Uh, Conservation. Conservation. Which yeah. is really kind of ironic in yeah, a way, isn't right? it? Yeah, and yeah. People don't understand that. They don't realize that, that those are the people that want, you know, clean shores. You know, we were just fishing, um, I don't know, the other day on, down at uh, Port Credit, and they were doing a shoreline cleanup, and, you know, they, ha they there's a lot of community involvement and uh, giving back from. Yeah, and, and I think to, the, to, to your point about um, what you catch, you keep. I think a lot of that had to do with you could walk into any serious outdoorsman's um, man cave, if you want to call it that, and see multiple fish mounted on the wall. Right, whereas, the, tro the trophies. And they're, they're trophy fish. The trophy now is being able to post that picture to Facebook on the boat. Right, and, right. and the guy being able to say, hey, everyone, check out what I got. But by the time that picture hits the Internet, that fish is already back in the water. Yeah, which is pretty cool yeah. In, you know, yeah. in a sense, you know, and it's a, what a what a great sort of lesson to pass on to yeah. to your kids and just the, well, I mean, just the whole environmental thing. I mean, that's a whole other thing we could talk about from, from a social change perspective. Again, I wasn't I don't know about you guys, but I wasn't raised to uh, compost and to keep aluminum cans away from glass jars and stuff. And you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's it's sure. now it's a part of the culture. It's in a way that it never was before. So I think these are reasons to be encouraged. Um, tell me about the business side of things. What are, what are some of the challenges for entrepreneurs? Why do so many businesses fail? I mean, you know, that, that list is probably like 100 bullet points versus the 10 on how to make it successful. That would be my guess. <laughs> I don't know. Carl's looking at me. No, I just, um, I, no, I think, uh, I think a lot of first things that come to mind um, are access to resources, um, whether that's... Um, capital. Whether that's capital, that. capital, startup capital, um, or, or having access to the, the right people to, to be able to bounce ideas off of. Um, in this case, like as Cheryl said, uh, she has, her and her husband have a, a strong um, community that they can sort of uh, uh, bounce ideas and, and questions and, and things like that off of. Fortunately, uh, we don't, like, without paying a consultant to necessarily 
do. So that's we're fortunate in that sense. I think um, a passion to want to to make it work no matter what isn't always great. Um, mm. I think one of the things that that was important was the validation from the fishing community for Cheryl and I, where we knew it was a great idea, or at least we thought it was initially. Right, I'm, I'm talking right at the beginning, um, but then basically taking it to market, taking it to a few um, key influencers in the fishing industry, getting their feedback, having confirmation that, that this, is an, this is a great product. This is something that I've never seen before. And I think uh, Cheryl and I have had this conversation. One of, the, one of the coolest things that we heard and have heard again is why didn't I think of that? And that was that was that's got to be pretty good. You should you know what you should have um, that should be your T-shirt. <laughs> why didn't I think of that? Yeah. In Bay Cloud uh, picture. That's actually it's a great phrase, and it's got to be pretty validating, I would think. And you know what? And, and that was probably the biggest feather in my cap, and and still is to the to uh, to this point is uh, that it's an idea that it's it's right there. Anyone sort of could have. Come to come to the idea, but and then I think that the taking the leap is one of the biggest things as well. I mean, so many people have these awesome ideas, but it, it's, it's not always necessarily that they don't have access well, to capital. Because yeah, if you're yeah. creative, it's not just about the cash. It's no, it not isn't just about the cash. And the resources are out there for people. If you have a if you have a great idea and you and you want to do something about but it. The irony, I think, Carl, is that you said it was kind of born out of laziness. I would almost disagree with you in a sense. I mean, laziness is anything but what an entrepreneur, I think, a quality of an entrepreneur, it seems to me. I mean, right. maybe that's, you know what I mean? It's I, I hear what you're saying about that. Like, you were just so fed up, right? right? And, and it's kind of like, oh, this has got to be easier, right? So, so actually, to, to that point, I think I think you're you're right in a sense that I wasn't, so lazy as to not bother trying to figure <laughs> to, out how to, to fix it. To wait for yeah. somebody else to create exactly, it. Exactly. Right. And that's that's the mm-hmm. point. And and uh, I, I wasn't just sort of like, this has to be easier. Man, I can't wait till Bait Cloud hits the market. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> What's that guy's name again? Bob Azumi? Yeah. yeah. Um, is this all you guys think about? And this is a question to the two of you. So as an entrepreneur, is it just all consuming? Have you Has your husband left you yet, Cheryl? Is it, you know? <laughs> no, but I sent him a message last night, gone fishing. And he's like, what? And, uh, you know, I do, I find myself at the cottage, you know, with the, with the kids and friends and normally we're, you know, entertaining and, you know, doing other activities. I'm like, Hey, who wants to go fishing? And my kids are excited about it. And it's just, you know, I mean, obviously they're like, wow, you really have a, you know, a passion about this. And I don't know. I mean, I've always, uh, you know, I remember fishing with my dad and, you know, going on different trips and family vacations, but it wasn't an everyday, like, you know, past time it was something really special and I think that's what I, I like about it is kind of like the community and the generations and the traditions of fishing and there's something I don't know kind of I don't know maybe a little bit romantic right picnics and fishing and throwing the rod in and you know it's just uh, I don't know I'm not so much for the picnics, <laughs> but uh, but no, and and then for me, I mean, I, I think like about the red and white wine that comes alongside of the picnic. Uh, yeah, right? yeah, the heck with the fishing. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, uh, in terms of thinking about it all the time, um, it's it's yes, um, and I think I, I don't believe that creativity can be forced, but I think I over the years I have forced myself to be open-minded, which I believe leads to creativity. 
Yeah, so, Carl, sorry, I was just going to say that Carl's always thinking of the next idea. So, you know, he's always like, hey, the, the next product or this, you know. Which can drive Cheryl crazy at times. Yeah, because I'm like, okay, let's just get this Yeah, what about, what about that laser focus, which is what somebody said to me in a conversation recently. David, you've got all these wonderful ideas and you've got these paths and so on, but what about just focusing on one yeah, or two and, like and Steam, making that yeah, happen? Like Steam Whistle has one beer. They, you know, have done it very well and that's it. Right. And I'm not saying that we have to be the one trick pony and there's always something and, you know, but when we're visiting, uh, you know, our bait and tackle shops, they're always like, what about this? Or, you know, could you do this? And so, so I was in, so I was in Michael's yesterday, the craft store. Yeah. I can't think of a store that does anything other than laser focus, but their laser focus seems to be appealing to people who want to make things or crafts. I mean, I've never seen so many products. It's, right. it's worse than Home Depot, <laughs> you know, and it, or it's worse than a tackle shop, frankly. Like, I mean, there's a lot well, of accessories at a tackle shop, <laughs> yeah. but Michael's is crazy. Paints and brushes and you name it, you can yeah. get it there. No focus at all, and yet it's crafts. So I don't know. It's just I, I, I get that kind of comment quite often as well. Yeah. I, I, I'm So, so we got to wrap this up in a couple minutes, but are, would you say, and I really wanted to uh, want to pursue this creativity thing with you a little bit, but um, maybe the question is, are, are entrepreneurs just problem solvers, really. I think um, a large part, a large part of uh, entrepreneurs have to do with uh, have to do with being problem solvers. But again, I think um, I think letting yourself with the creativity aspect, letting yourself be creative, but understanding understanding when it's um, you should move on is is a huge part as well. Yeah, I, yeah, boundaries, right? Like, right. at what point do you say this didn't work? And I guess your investors will help you make those decisions. Your husband, your the people that you commiserate right. with will say at some point, or maybe you wake up in the morning and go, yeah, it's time to go down a different path because Bay Cloud didn't make the money we thought or it didn't wasn't scalable in the way we thought, yeah. et cetera. And I think that's interesting too. I mean, I, I do believe that their majority comes from uh, being problem solvers. But at the same time, I think that those, it, it looks very different to, to a lot of people. Like I said, my the problem that I wanted to solve, I wanted, uh, I wanted to solve it to make mine and other people's lives easier. And initially, um, before I had the sort of fishing idea, I, I thought it was more to do with I, I want I need to create something that creates wealth for me. Um, and right. I think that shifted from from yeah, clearly it did. So yeah. my, I, I wanted to create something before Big Cloud. I wanted to create something that would solve the problem of me not having. The wealth that I desire. Yeah, I, you know, just as we wrap up here, I think it's great. I love that uh, notion and insight. But at the same time, are creative people? I mean, I'm trying to be clever here, I suppose. But are creative people entrepreneurs, yes. or, or, or entrepreneurs creative people? You know, what what comes first, or does anything come first? Because you said, I would, yeah, I would say that we're both very creative people. Um, you know, uh, you know, I come from event planning and you know throwing parties and just you know creativity in the kitchen and. You know, whatever. There's, you know, I, I collect art. I'm very passionate about creativity. Carl comes from a marketing and advertising background. And again, always thinking outside of the box. So, you know, I think creativity is really important. And, you know, although he drives me crazy with his new ideas, I would never want him to stop thinking, right? Like, what is, what is next? Or what if we could do this? And, you know, sometimes it doesn't work. And other times, you know, yeah, maybe it's going to be the next... Next but step. but no, I honestly bigger than the microchip. Yeah, exactly. But honestly, David, I wouldn't say I would say entrepreneurs are creative people. I, I, I would say the, that creatives 
are not necessarily entrepreneurs. And I, no, <laughs> I'm not saying. Opposite of what I said. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not saying that. Well, what I like is again, you know what this is to me? It's a comment on the need for a partnership, for right. a collaboration, for everybody's got their strengths, right? Yeah, but I just want to explain that in the fact that. I don't think all creatives are entrepreneurs because I think it has a lot to do with personality type as well, not just how you think. I think it, um, you, you cannot be, and it's not to be cliche, but you cannot be afraid of risks and you cannot be afraid of, of, of trying something or doing something that no one else would. And this isn't the first instant in my life that I've, I've had that mentality or, or lived like that. And I, I know just from conversation with Cheryl, uh, that that it's, she has the same mentality. So I think that a lot. It's sort of like we we said that uh, you can be creative, but then wait for someone else to come along with the idea and just be happy with your situation. Um, not everyone has the luxury of being able to to take a risk. Maybe you have a family uh, to take care of or or things like that. Um, but I, I think that it, it, you have to you have to just sort of stare it in the eyes and, and just take it on. And, and just and yeah. have, well, that, me- have that, that mentality. That was, that was kind of the nice thing, again, about our partnership is that I kind of have a security blanket, not having to take risk. I'm at a point in my you know, life and career that I don't, uh, that to me it wasn't a risk. It was an idea that I loved and was passionate about and gave, you know, uh, it gave Carl the opportunity to go full forward, you know, into this. In fact, he left his job and just decided that this was, you know, going to be the main focus, which I thought was the only way that we could make it work, right? Yeah, sort of all or nothing. Yeah. Well, I think that's a big question, too. That, that, that's a podcast alone, it seems to me. That's a chapter out of a book on entrepreneurship in a way, right? I mean, we're, we're talking about it around a, a lot of these things. Creativity, you know, you got to have the, the passion. You got to have the commitment. You got to be open. I love your comment about being open and how that leads to creativity, not necessarily the other way around. Right. Because I think a phrase I've used for years is this idea of open structure. You got to have some kind of foundation, but you still got to be wide open to those yeah, other aspects of discovery, whatever the heck they are. I feel a public talk brewing here. I feel an <laughs> essay developing. But uh, anyway, listen. Thank you so much uh, for joining us on Face to Face today. I, I really wish you guys well, and it's. I love the fact that your company was. Is based on laziness and, and eavesdropping. I think that's <laughs> remarkable. Uh, I think that's an article for the Financial Post. Or uh, you know, right. when when you guys are like rich beyond your wildest dreams, we'll be able to refer back to that. But uh, really appreciate your time today. And yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for joining us. Thank thanks very much. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns.